so <clears throat> I'm just going to be honest with you. I feel like that I've had this kind of plan that God has been speaking to me about this specific thing for about two weeks now. <clears throat> and so I went to kind of type my notes out. And so just a background, I went to Gardner-Webb University, graduated in 2013. And when I started going to Gardner-Webb, it was for youth ministry initially. And um, so I'm a religion major. I took religion classes and everything and um, ended up changing my major to discipleship studies, um, specifically for adult, but also children and um, uh, younger age children discipleship. And then I have uh, emphasis on mission. So I have a ton of mission classes under my belt as well. But uh, one of the things that Gardner-Webb requires for religion majors is you have to take a Christian preaching class. It's like um, English majors have to take speech and stuff like that. We have to take Christian preaching. And so um, I had this old guy as our professor. I don't know how old he is now. Very old. Um, and so he, he said the only three things you'll get graded on during this whole class is you will um, preach three sermons. You'll, throughout the semester, you'll preach three sermons to the class. And so, um, no pressure, that's your only grade, is three sermons that you have to preach. Uh, a lot of us had never preached before. I think I had done it once or twice before um, back home. And so, what I did was, I knew this one thing. I wanted to preach on the greatest commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, went down and I wrote down my whole sermon. So, I'm up here in the middle of class and giving my sermon. I look up every now and then. And so he gives us feedback at the end. He says, so um, that was all right. He said, did you, um, were you reading something? I said, well, I have my notes here. He said, okay, well, it seemed like you were reading. To me, Christian preaching speech, you're reading a speech, right? And so I'm trying to look up and everything, but he called me out and I was so mad because I mean that's one of my grades that's one third of my grade right so I wasn't happy about that I called Katie at the time we were just starting to um, date at the time and I was like I can't stand this guy this old man does not know what he's talking about I just I, I did a good job I don't know what's going on he really liked this other guy and all he did was yell the whole time I don't know I don't understand yeah. So my second sermon, he, he went through us and he was like, well, we want you to just do bullet points on your paper, have one piece of paper and that's it, which freaked me out because I can barely remember what I ate for breakfast, no less get up in front of the class and try to give a, a sermon. So I do it my second time and he gives me an A plus. He says, you know, raves about and everything. I was like, oh, I keep that under my belt for next time. If I run a church or whatever, I'm going to use the sermon because I got A plus on it, right? <laughs> so then the second time I do the same thing. What I didn't realize, and I didn't realize it till I met Camby and Josh, this man taught me how to hear the Holy Spirit while I was speaking. Because I had to not rely on what was on paper, but I had to rely on what the download of what I was actually speaking on, all right? So... I have tons of piece of paper here. This is why. Because 
I have everything written out that he has downloaded to me. I will probably not get to any of this because one thing that I said wasn't, I was trying to type this up. I was like, God, what order do you want me to go in? How do you want me to go about this? And he didn't answer me. I was like, okay, I get it. You want me to see what service is like. You want me to see what happens in worship. And I tell you, if Robin didn't start preaching my sermon for me, which is great. I love when we go into worship and we go into the songs and it starts to all connect because Josh only knew in part what I was going to speak on. And when he uh, and Marie and whoever else set the set list did not know that I was going to be speaking on praise and my hallelujah. Didn't know that I was going to be speaking on uh, that the love is returning to those dead things. And so God is coming and intricately putting this together. So this morning, if it seems kind of random, I'm going to tell you it is not. All right. And if it seems discombobulated, my mom's favorite word, it's not. All right, this is just me flowing in the spirit, and it, it, uh, I hope that you can receive that and, and go with that with me. So I'm going to go ahead and just read the scripture that I'm going to try to focus on this morning. Um, but it's Isaiah 61. Uh, I don't know if we have it on the screen. If not, most of you know it. But um, <clears throat> So Isaiah 61 is also the scripture. So when Jesus is in his hometown, he goes... And uh, he grabs the scroll and he begins reading from the scroll. And this is also what he reads. So this is Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, right? Isaiah, a uh, majority of Isaiah is prophesying the coming of the Christ, the coming of Jesus, and also what is to come after that. Um, he prophesies on temple destruction and all that as well. And a lot of the times when these prophecies are coming out, um, the people of God were in exile. They were not where God had promised they would be, okay? So Isaiah 61, verse 1, um, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, also means to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus stops at this point. Okay, I'm going to keep going a little further. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, joy, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. All right. So Jesus stops. He, he, he's reading the scroll. This is in uh, Luke 4, right? And he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, right? Blasphemy, <laughs> right? He's reading this in front of all these people. He, he grew up in this hometown. They know who he is. They know what he's done. And Jesus lived a spotless life, so it couldn't have been that bad. But they're looking at this guy like, wait, what? Right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon who? Because you didn't write this, right? So he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he keeps going because the Lord has appointed me, right, 
to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he says, in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. That's it. So it closes the scroll, right? And so what I want to tell you is that that is true, right? When he was up there, he was talking about what he was going to do for his ministry. He, the God had appointed him, right? The spirit of God was inside of him because he was of God. He was God in the flesh. And he had come to preach good tidings to the poor, right? The Beatitudes, we have all that. To heal the brokenhearted, we see multiple times the signs and wonders and miracles of Jesus. And to proclaim liberty to the captives, you are not going to be stuck where you are for long. This is not it, right? And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, his ministry, right? This is it. This is what God has appointed me to. Now, the reason I believe that he stopped at that point is because what was next was what was going to happen with him on the cross and the resurrection and then the book of Acts and now where we are. And so it says, the day of vengeance of our God, what was the vengeance on? The vengeance was on sin. The vengeance was on that serpent in the garden, right? And so what happened was Jesus didn't continue that because he said, this is the acceptable year of the favor of the Lord, right? But I am going to be that vengeance on God because I am going to be on the cross and I, the vengeance, is going to be me as sin put to death into the grave, into hell. And what's going to come up is not that sin, but the vengeance, my revenge, is that I am going to be the one to come up, right? To be the one resurrected. And then he could have continued, but he didn't, right? Because what happens is to comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn, this, I believe, is where the church is now. This is where we are now. Isaiah was prophesying this to those then, and it applied to those then, but this applies to us now. You with me? Okay. So... Verse 3 says, to console those who mourn in Zion. Zion was a literal mountain in Jerusalem. But the word Zion comes from the word Zion, which literally means desolate, um, dry, right? And so he is consoling those who mourn in their desert. Consoling those who mourn in their dryness. Okay, for them, they recognize this as these are the people that are mourning. The, the people from Zion, right, that are no longer in Zion, we are mourning. For us, you are the people in the dryness, right? There might not be any water for you to take up because you feel like there's nothing there, right? There's nothing there. You are in the dryness. You are in the desert. There is nothing springing forth, but he's saying he is here to console. How? To give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then they will be called trees of righteousness. So they're in the dryness, but they're going to become trees. You see that connection there? 
the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, <clears throat> beauty for ashes, the word beauty is literally in the Hebrew, a headdress. So what he's giving to them is this crown instead of their ashes, right? The ashes is symbolic of those dead things. In Job, we see Job sit with sackcloth and ashes to mourn everything that had been taken from him, right? But God says through Isaiah that he is going to give us this crown and set us up instead of us being in the ashes. This is a symbol of resurrection, okay? The oil of joy for mourning, oil was also used in the time of death, right? We know that when Lazarus died, um, when Jesus died, they were both, um, they had oil put on them to try to cover up the stench, right, of what would happen while they were in the tomb. With me? Yeah. So instead of mourning, instead of putting the oil on the dead things because he's giving us resurrection, he is giving us that fragrance that we sung about, right? That oil, that good smelling oil and replacing it for our tears. Instead of tears flowing down from our head, we're having oil flowing down for head, from our head, right? David had oil poured on his head to the point it was just dripping down, right? This is that same picture of that. Now we have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And this is where I'm going to spend most of my time this morning, okay? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, when I was typing up my notes, one thing I was going to speak on was what praise is. But you saw... <laughs> This morning, what praise is. I don't feel like I need to necessarily teach anything on what praise is, except for the fact to say that there is a significant difference between praise and worship. When I grew up in a Baptist church, we had praise and worship time, mainly just we were singing hymns, didn't really think anything of it, right? But praise and worship are two different things. Like Josh said, worship is not necessarily something we do. It's who we are. Worship is that uh, a recognition of who God is. Worship is that worthship. It's that worth for God, right? In uh, the time of kings, they would go up to the king and they would say, your worship. That was their way of saying, uh, you are worth my adoration. You are worth everything. So when we give worship to God, it is us displaying who he is. But praise is giving thanks for what he has done. Two different things, okay? So in Psalm 100... When the psalmist writes, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. That word praise is exactly the same word as the garment of praise for heaviness. Okay, And what they would do during the Bible times, they, uh, when they would go to the temple, they would literally enter his gates with thanksgiving. They would walk through the temple gates, and they would give thanks to God, and then they would walk through the temple courts, and they would re release these songs of praise. So this word for praise is tehillah. 
And there are around seven different words for praise in the Old Testament in Hebrew, and they all mean different things. Tehillah comes from halal, which we also get hallelujah. So those two are very connected. Tehillah is praise or song of praise. Halal is to be boastful and to praise. So literally what they're doing, they're going through the courts and they are lifting their songs of thanksgiving, boasting about who he is. So if there's Gentiles around, right? They are boasting about these, this God that these Gentiles do not know. It is this boastful songs of praise. And it is literally a song. If you do not like to sing, I am sorry. But it is literally a song of praise. And when in the Bible it says that he will give us a new song, I believe that he's giving those that don't even like to sing or that don't know what to sing or don't have a sound in their voice a song for this purpose to praise. And it's not because he is an egotistical, egomaniacal, whatever that word is, God, but he is uh, so in love with you that he wants you to know what he has done for you. You got that? He is so in love with you that he wants you to know what he has done for you. He doesn't care that you're lifting the praise up to him, but he knows what that praise is going to do for you. Okay? So let me read this word for word for you. Praise is thanking the Father for promises seen and unseen, things fulfilled and yet to come. Praise itself can bring us into the light on the other side of the storm. Promises and prophecies and words of knowledge are all made more powerful when we praise. Here's what I mean by that. Let's just start with this. Raise a hand if you have been given a promise from God. Should be about everybody because the, the Bible, which is the written word of God, has multiple promises, right? And so if you don't know, I just encourage you to flip through and be like, yeah, that sounds like that's a word of God for me, right? But promises, um, we have all been given promises, okay? Now raise your hand if every single one of those promises have been fulfilled in your life. Yeah, a few, okay. But most likely, some of us, majority of us, are sitting in a time of waiting to see those promises fulfilled. Now, um, we might not all have the same backgrounds, but raise your hand if you have been given a word of knowledge or a prophecy from somebody that, that um, has been for uh, the future, I guess. So prophecy, word of knowledge, yeah. Now raise your hand if those have been completely fulfilled, every single one of them, yeah? Now, here's the thing, especially after this year, majority of us are in a season of waiting and have been in a season of waiting. Can you agree with that, right? But what a season of waiting does is it prepares us for a moment of suddenly. Because without waiting, you will not have a suddenly. 
If you are not waiting on something, you will not have that moment where that something comes. You will not have that suddenly where it comes, right? And so with us waiting for those promises and waiting to see those prophecies, it's okay to be there in that place because God has given us a gift to see us through that. And we know that he is ever faithful, all right? And I believe one of the strongest things we can remember in times of waiting is that he is ever faithful. He is good, he is the giver of every good gift, and he will never let us down. So if a promise and a prophecy is directly from God, and it is true, he will not let us down, all right? That's it. So you may not see it now, but you will see it. But the problem is, what do we do in that waiting? If you remember when I spoke last time, I spoke about waiting for a few minutes. And that word literally means you are wrapping yourself around with God, like a cord, right? So if you look at a cord, there's multiple strings and they're wrapped around. And so that's how we are with God in waiting. So we're not sitting there uh, just you know, not doing anything, but waiting literally means we are with God in the process until that suddenly comes, okay? All right, so the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'll, when you think of the spirit of heaviness, and up until two weeks ago, when I thought of the spirit of heaviness, I literally thought it was like this weight, like, like a backpack, right? So we carry around a diaper bag with the, uh, for the kids that has change of clothes and everything. Put on that backpack, you know, walking through the zoo for five miles. It's pretty heavy, right? Yeah, Holly knows what I'm talking about. So that, that's what I thought was this spirit of weightiness, of heaviness, that he is instead giving us praise. It didn't make any sense. I loved it. I would sing it and I would declare it, right? But it didn't make any sense to me because I didn't know how necessarily praise and heaviness went together. So two weeks ago, I looked up this word in the Hebrew. So you can do this too. You do not have to take my word for it. You can go type in um, Isaiah 61 Hebrew and you can look at all the Hebrew words and you can click on it and Strong's Concordance will give you the definition and it will tell you what each of it means, okay? But for heaviness, the word is kahe, which does not mean heavy. It means dim, dull, or faint. Isaiah uses the word heavy or heaviness multiple times throughout his prophecies, his book, and this is the only time he uses the word kahe. Every other time, it's like a backpack or a weight or a literal heaviness. So here's what this means using the word kahe. I will console those who mourn in Zion in dryness, right? In desolation. And I will give them the garment of praise for the spirit of blindness. I will give them the garment of praise when they cannot see. I will give them the garment of praise when there is a fog in front of them and they do not know where to go. Do you hear the waiting in that? 
right? You've had this promise, right? You have this prophecy, which is not a promise. It's more of an invitation that tells you what God uh, has a heart for you, right? Prophecy is not necessarily a promise. A prophecy is not necessarily something that is going to happen. Okay? A, yes, a prophecy is an invitation to wait with God and to work with God and to co-labor with God in order to be in that place that the prophecy says you are meant to be. I heard Graham Cook once say that he was prophesied over that he would write hundreds and hundreds of books. But he could have done one of two things. He could have sat there until the books were written, or he could have gone and learned how to write a book. Because he had no experience, no way of knowing how to get started, and he didn't know what to do. So he could have sat there and just waited, and he probably would have died before a book got written, right? Or he could have gone and went into a class that they taught them, this is how you start a book, and this is how you get a publisher, and all that. If you know Graham Cook, he has hundreds and hundreds of books, and that's what he did. He went to classes, right? So a prophecy is an invitation to bring us into that place if we want to go, okay? But we do not have to do that. He is a good God. He is a good father. He is not going to force us into that place, right? But he is going to tell us this is where I see you. This is where I want you. This is what you were created to be, right? Esther was told you were created for such a time as this. She could have ran the other way, right? It wouldn't have happened, at least not through her. Her family probably would have died at that point, right? But she stayed and she was there, all right? So a prophecy is not a promise. That sidebar's over. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. All right, so... Um, but what it is, is a garment of praise for a spirit of blindness when you cannot see. When you cannot see, this is where Robin started preaching. When you cannot see what's in front of you, what he gives you is a garment of praise. Now, here's an example of that. In 1 Samuel 31 through 8. David and his men had left the city that they had at that point, and uh, they are returning. So in uh, verse 1, this is what happens. So now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag, the city, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. What's Isaiah 61 say, right? To comfort those who mourn, right? To comfort those in this desolate place, in this dryness. So they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, had been taken captive. 
Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. It was not his fault. Sorry. Because the soul of all the people were so grieved. Tell you, when people around you are grieved, you might be the one that they're going after. All right? But God gives us something for this. All right? Okay. They were so grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a literal vest that the priests would wear when they were... Uh, presenting to God when they were worshiping God in the temple, when they were giving all the, the um, things that the, the people had done wrong and asking for forgiveness of those, the sacrifices, the ephod was this, literally a garment of praise, right? And so David, after there's no more power left to weep, he's about to be killed for what had happened he looks up and he says, bring me the ephod. And so what happens is, is he puts on this garment of praise and he inquires of the Lord saying, shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake him? And he answered, God, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. David did not know what to do. David could not see the path in front of him. And so what he decided to do, the best choice, right, is to put on his priestly garment, begin to lift his voice to God and ask, what shall I do? And so God tells him, this is what you shall do. Now, David could turn the other way and be like, no, I don't like that. That's not a good idea. Right? They're a lot stronger. They already took over our city. We're not going to do that. That is a prophecy, right? Because that's an invitation for what he can do to have that promise, right? A prophecy is a catalyst for breakthrough. If you have a prophecy in your life, it can uh, catapult you into that place where your breakthrough lies. And so David took that. And it later in 1 Samuel, it says that he did overtake them and he brought everyone back alive. He recovered all, okay? So this is a Old Testament example of what Isaiah is talking about here. What does that have to do with us now? God is not talking about us literally finding an ancient ephod in an antique store and putting it on, Okay? Because what we are is we are the temples of God. We have inside of us the presence of God. And we are able to praise him wherever we are, wearing whatever we have. If we're in the shower, we can sing to him and praise him, right? If we're driving a car, we can praise him. It does not matter because he has made us his temple to be able to do that. So his comfort is given when we clothe ourselves in praise. This brings us into his presence and into his perspective. When we cannot see and we decide to praise him and put on that praise, 
we come out of our own focus of what is going wrong or what we are waiting on, and we go into his focus of what is happening and what we need to do in that with him, right? We're not doing it alone. You are never alone when you are waiting with God. You are moving with God and working with God and co-laboring with God. And so praise takes our whole body to release the truth of what he's done and will do. Praise cannot be dialed down to a simple two-line song with a bridge that goes over and over and over again. Okay? Even though Tehillah means a song of praise, it cannot be put just into this little box of something that we're going to uh, make a gold record out of and make tons of money off of, right? Praise is not that. Your praise and my praise are not the same. You will not praise him for the same things that I'm going to praise him for. And I will never be able to praise him for the same things that you will praise him for. And the angels, right? will never be able to praise him for the same things we praise him for because they were never saved from their sin. You get where I'm going with this. Praise is different for every individual person. Worship is not. God never changes. And so since worship is uh, what he is worth, who he is, worship never changes, right? Worship is the same because God is the same from age to age. But my praise, our praise will all be different. That's why praise is so powerful. And I'll tell you right now, you can't have prayer without praise. Can't have prayer without thanksgiving. Because you have to have that perspective of what you have seen and what he has done to be able to catapult you into that next of his presence and who he is. There's that reason why they were going through the gates to get to that place of worship because they had to go through and focus uh, their attention on who he was and what he did to be able to get to that place of who God actually was, right? I have to put all this off of me and get out of all these circumstances and clear the path to be able to see who you are, God, because all I see is what's not happening. And he's telling us, well, I need you to see what I have already done, right? And so that's what he has given us. He has given us that gift to be able to praise him, to be able to, to have that perspective and be able to see. So remember I said praise takes our whole body to release the truth of what he's done, right? It's not just that simple thing. So here's what God told me. I wrote it down. Let's see if I can find the paper here. Oh, no. Okay. It's the recognition of things accomplished and the whole body recognition that he is faithful that opens our eyes to see. You may not know what to do next, but in walking with his ruach, his breath, his wind, 
his spirit, and the true living word, which is Jesus, not a dusty old book on your nightstand, right? The road becomes more clear. The heaviness of the fog and the dim darkness is lifted. Praise not only has the power to lift him up, but to also lift the weight off of us and clear the path to our purpose and our calling. Oftentimes, prophecy and promises are given to reveal the nature and the heart of God for a person. This can bring hope, especially for those in impossible situations. It also brings us to a place of waiting and waiting with God. It's in that time, though, when in the waiting, that we can begin to doubt and lose faith. Who's been there? Yeah. Many of us have been in a year of waiting, but listen, seasons, times of waiting make moments, make way for moments of suddenlies. And he, and he has given us a proclamation and a promise of what is given to us to make way for that suddenly. Praise. I believe that when we praise him, we are also following that, that greatest commandment. You remember that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with your whole body. Remember, praise is a whole body response. So when we praise him, we are loving him with all we are. And what that does, Jesus says, all the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments, right? So when we praise him with everything we have, with our whole body response, that fulfills the laws and the prophets. When we praise him with our whole body, that brings us into a place of fulfillment of every law and everything he has said and every prophecy because he is in that and it allows us to see that perspective of what he has given. Okay. Might have to re-listen to that a couple of times. It's heavy. All right. Now listen, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, okay? So the good news, the gospel, what Jesus has done, which is also praise, right, is the spirit of prophecy. So prophecy needs to be given of that place of everything he has done, right? So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, and he is enthroned on our praises. That's scripture. So what if it's in our praises that he is lifted up so that he lives and moves and has his being, and his testimony is made known in that moment? What if our praises give the power to the prophecy so that it's no longer an invitation, but the catalyst needed for promises fulfilled. We are to love him with our whole being and in that all things are accomplished. Praise takes our whole body to release the truth of what he's done, his testimony. All of that is connected. So I want you to stand up if you feel like there is a, a promise waiting for you that you have not seen, majority of you, 
you can stand up. It's fine. Go ahead. Whatever. Majority of you said you had that, right? If you cannot stand up, just put a hand up. That's fine. Or if you've had a prophecy given to you and you'd like to see that fulfilled, <laughs> you'd like to answer that invitation, right? You can also stand up. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. If somebody wants to come play some keys, they're welcome to do that. But we are going to lift our tehillah to him. We are going to lift our songs of praise to him. Because when we put on that garment of praise, he has promised us that he will reveal what is ahead. He has promised us that that praise will allow us to see his perspective. Do you want that this morning? Because I know I do. Right? And so when we do this, it doesn't have to be a song you've heard before. That can be a starting point. That's fine. But what you need to do, because your praise is going to be different from mine, you need to find that deep down inside of you, what it is that he has done for you. And what it is you believe is to be accomplished, because that is praise. You need to find what it is that he has done specifically for you. You can start at the cross. You can start with the resurrection. That's fine because I believe all of our uh, praise starts there. But like I said, your praise is not going to be the same as mine. Okay. All right. One more thing. So Isaiah 61 gives us everything that everything that he gives us here are uh, types of clothing, things that we are wearing, all right? I told Katie this morning, I said, I'm rereading, or I think it was last night, I'm rereading all this. And I'm like, huh, maybe this is the actual full armor of God that uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians, but that's for another day. So <clears throat> here's what he's giving us because the man, the garment of praise literally in the Hebrew means the mantle of renown, the mantle of fame, the mantle of glory. So what he's giving us is a mantle, right? A garment, something to wear of glory for a spirit of blindness or dimness. He sees me when I cannot see. He gives a mantle of glory for a spirit of dimness. He lifts me up when I'm lost in the fog. He clothes me on my path, no matter where I've been or where I'm going. He is with me. And it's in being on the journey with him when I begin to see. He carves my path. He knows the way. It's my focus off of what is happening to me or what's not happening and on what he's doing and what he's done. Isaiah 61, 4, the next verse goes... They will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. Your praise that he gives you in exchange for the blindness that you have in front of you is not just for you, but it is generations long past you. 
It is for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It is for everyone in your generations long after you to become accomplished. Your praise is not just for you. So begin lifting it up right now. Father, you are holy. We praise you for everything you've done. Continue to praise, continue to lift that up. Like I said, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. And, and uh, a whisper is just as loud as somebody shouting or a roar. So that's fine. You can whisper it, you can think it, but just begin to have your whole body enter into that praise. Just begin to put on that place, uh, that garment, begin to put on that praise and, and be in that place. And uh, I'm just going to... Um, just going to call out a few things to so continue to lift that up. If there's anybody with lower back pain, specifically on the left side, but it's fine. Any type of back pain, just come up. Believe you're not meant to walk out with that anymore. Um, dear worship, I heard that there was somebody in here that um, either liked running or was literally a runner for like uh, track sports and can no longer reach the top speed that they could before maybe because of an injury or I don't know what uh, if that's you I'm hearing that that's also spiritual too so if there's somebody else that is a runner you just feel like you have to run from everything
gone, you're struggling with depression, you literally have a fog. You wake up in the morning, you don't want to get up, you have that fog, you don't know what you're supposed to do, but you know you don't want to do it. Um, that's you. And if I uh, have a ministry team, yeah, can be Jeremy, anybody else, if you feel led to pray for these people. And there's this voice behind me just screaming cancer really, really loud. So that's you. place and I encourage you to uh, uh, continue to put on that garment of praise when you feel like you can't see.